Picture the solitary runner tracing the pre-dawn streets, their breath visible in the cool air, sneakers thumping a steady rhythm against the pavement. This runner knows the challenge of self-motivation, the ease of skipping a morning run when the bed is warm and the world is silent. Yet when they run alongside a partner, their solo journey transforms. Each step is witnessed, each mile accounted for. They push each other to stride faster, endure longer, and to not skip the days when lethargy beckons. An accountability buddy in running becomes the silent cheerleader, the witness to perseverance, the guardian of commitment. In the world of B2B SaaS, the road to success is equally challenging, lined with the potential for missteps and the temptation to ease off the pace of innovation and growth. Here too, accountability holds a mirror to our actions, turning individual sprints into a relay race where the baton of responsibility is passed within teams, ensuring that every feature release and customer interaction is not just completed, but carried forward with diligence and purpose. Accountability ensures that promises to customers are not just made, but met with the punctuality and reliability of a runner's steady cadence. Enter Tanya Alvarez, the founder of OwnersUp. She's an accountability expert who coaches SaaS entrepreneurs to not just run the race, but to excel with the endurance and strategy of marathoners. With Tanya's guidance, entrepreneurs learn to set the pace for their business's growth, to push through the wall of operational challenges, and to sprint towards their KPIs with unwavering commitment. She is the accountability buddy every SaaS leader needs, turning solo ventures into team triumphs. In today's episode, we'll lace up with Tanya to explore the transformative power of accountability in driving SaaS success. We'll delve into how disciplined goal setting, peer support, and the RAP method can turn individual potential into collective achievement. Tune in as we discover how to turn the solitary run of entrepreneurship into a victory lap with Tanya Alvarez by your side. From Paddle, it's Protect the Hustle, where we explore the truth behind the strategy and tactics of B2B SaaS growth to make you an outstanding operator. I'm Ben Hillman, and on today's episode, Tanya Alvarez speaks to Paddle's Andrew Davies about accountability. After you finish the episode, check out the show notes for a field guide from today's episode. Then, while you're leaving your five-star review of the podcast, tell us what resonated most about our guest's advice. Tanya, welcome to Protect the Hustle. Why don't you just give me a bit of background about yourself, about your business, and uh, yeah, let's let's dive right in. Yeah, I started my first company at 25, grew to a million within the first year, and traveled during that time to over 42 countries, and continued growing it, ran some marathons, and then sold it, and then um, invested in others, and the thing I wish I had, I built, and it's called Owners Up. And it basically came about, I was running, I was training for the Boston Marathon, And here I was still running in a group. I signed up for a coach and a team of people. And then I'm running. I was like, what the heck? Why do I have this for my own business? Peers that are like ready to take to a next level so you can bounce ideas off of, you know, talk about some of the struggles you're dealing with. A coach that you actually report to who knows all your stats that you have to report. And then just have frequency of that meeting, that momentum and that rhythm. And that's what Owners Up is. I remember that... uh when I was building Idio back in the day, I had this group of people who we used to go for a dinner once every month or two, other founders around our kind of stage. It was my replacement therapy, just suddenly realizing that when you peered beyond the kimono, when you looked beyond the curtains, everyone else was facing a bunch of the same challenges that I was. And some of them had answers to those challenges. That was super interesting for me. And it was a, a reason why I actively went and built a network of people I could call on in those situations. So talk to us a little bit more about Owners Up then and, and how you, you know, attract these people, why they come to you, and also how you 
you group them together? That's a really interesting model. Yeah. So one of the things that we're like we wanted to do is get them to that use that frequency. So that once in a month dinner is great. But as you know, every day there's always a, some sort of fire or something that you're like, oh, I wish I could just like get some feedback immediately. That's where you have that coach just in case your peers aren't there. So we structured a the groups in groups of five and we do it based on what the level and then on their industry we don't want to put everybody in the same industry we realize that you find so much like you're like oh in this industry they do this maybe i can do it in my industry and when you surround yourself with everybody you start thinking the same way there's no innovation right and then you realize oh i should i could have been doing this but everybody else is doing it it's just it gives you so whole new perspective on where to take your company. I know there's lots of um, content you put out there. I know I've been reading your LinkedIn posts. Uh, one of the things I, I I really enjoyed reading, it brought a smile to my heart, was one of the ways of describing yourself is that you're a workaholic to guilt-free, you've gone from being a workaholic to being a guilt-free parent. Before we dive into owners up in the business, I would love to hear a bit more about the personal journey there because it's something I talk about with working parents all the time and a challenge I have with my nine-year-old and 11-year-old. That's a powerful statement, a powerful kind of confession from workaholic to guilt-free parent. Can you unpack that a little bit more for me and how it plays into this journey? When I started my first company, of course, I was able to work crazy hours. And I was, I have to admit, I was driven by ego at that point. I wanted to prove something. I had a chip on my shoulder. Then I had two little ones. I have right now I have a one and a half year old and three and a half year old. And the moment that my son was born, my life and what I thought of just changed. I no longer wanted to I wanted to build a legacy because at the end of the day, we all die. No one gets out of here without dying, right? And who's really going to remember you? It's your children. Your business, we still talk about Steve Jobs, but is it as present, you know what I mean? Or Michael Jackson? No, it's your kids who carry things on. And I was like, how do I make sure that I'm super present when I'm with my kids? And it's not about the time. It's literally about being present in that energy. And that shifted everything. And then the constraints. See, when you first start a business, you just have so much time. You go from like no structure, right? And trying to create your own structure. And even if you have employees, a team, you still can actually move the deadlines. But then when you have, start having constraints on how many hours you want to work, what you want to achieve, what your priorities are, that's when the freedom happens. And that's when you can be more present and just move faster. So talk to me about how you actually do that, yourself in terms of creating those boundaries? Is it phone off, phone in the cupboard? Is it you're just a self-discipline for not looking? You know, How do you maintain those boundaries? So if we did teach our three-year-old early on that if he ever saw me and my husband on the phone come to us and just say, you don't need to be on the phone. And then he added, which was clever, amazing EQ, I love you. And I was like, whoa, that's really good. But we both have like, we just put our phone on the silence and then we all, we both have Apple Watch and then we just have that just in case. That's it. But it is hard because you want to take pictures of them. So then all of a sudden you pick up the phone or the video, then you're, the phone's right there. And that easy addiction just could go like, oh, I'm just going to check something really quickly. And then you're in that spiral. So that's why we had our kids kind of check on us. So much of what you talk about is about focus. And you talk about the focus multiplier. And I know you've got some awesome frameworks here. So talk to me about the focus multiplier. Talk to me about your process here, how it came to be, and how it helps founders to make sure they're getting more out of their day. So it started, you know, I was running in high school and college. I was a collegiate athlete. And then back then, before technology, I am a little bit older. <laughs> back then, you had to write down what you actually, like, when you ran, how you felt, what you ate. Because all that information was 
actually what helps you move and go faster. So it's not usually the time. Sometimes you have to go like, oh, I was running, I don't know, like a, a five minute mile. Well, how do I break that down? How can I consistently do it or what stopped me from doing something, right? So when you start realizing sometimes it's a time of the day that you're training. Sometimes it's the things that you're eating. But entrepreneurs, what ends up happening is like at the end of the day, they're either overwhelmed and they're like, well, I'm so glad this day's over. But they didn't actually realize where they spent their day. Or they could be at that time where they're like, I didn't get anything accomplished. And then they write down what they accomplished and they're like, oh, so there's activities that drain you. So how do you keep this focus? It's called a wrap. R-A-P. R is for review. Review your freaking day. What the heck did you get done? Celebrate it, right? And then A is assess one through five. What is makes it a five? And then once you get that information on the five, reverse engineer it. Maybe it was like you're on sales calls and maybe it was you like all of a sudden did amazing podcasts. I don't know what it is. Just reverse engineer and make your days fives. And then P is prioritize, right? The three things that if you only had three hours to get it done, those were the three things you would get done. There's bits of this that I've done, but I've never done in a formal process like this. Ended up calling my to-do list the things that move the needle because there's so many things that don't move the needle in my day and I try and restrict it to three things a day. So that's interesting. I want to learn more about that. And also, I remember I learned from pattern recognition when someone advised me to do a happiness journal and I was doing that every day for 30 days and I was understanding what things led to me having a genuinely positive day versus not a positive day. And it was the kind of people I was with, the kind of topics we were talking about, being external to the business where I can learn things from other contexts rather than internally. But when you're talking about this and this process, maybe it's just I'm a scatterbrain. I think, how can I keep that up day after day? So is this something you've done yourself for days and weeks and months and years? And the, and the people you work with, are they doing this every single day? And how are they maintaining that rhythm for months and months and months? Basically, we have it. We actually have them submit it into our software and then it's shared within the group. And that's how we're able to not only you're getting the awareness as an entrepreneur writing it down, and then the coach is also getting that awareness. So you're incentivized to actually write it because they can see blind spots. And then they're like, hey, it looks like you're in like about to head out to burnout. How can I help? Or here's some resources. And then also it's the applause when you're having a great day. So it's kind of like we're using all what peers momentum, right? So you get acknowledgement, I'm writing it, you get help, and then you get the awareness for yourself. And by the way, it is really hard to do it on your own. I really highly recommend that you text it to somebody else to keep it going. Do you think that there's a certain type of personality they're warm to this or are able to do it for those long periods? Or do you think it's something that everybody should build as a muscle within their day? I think everyone should build it. I don't think it's an easy one. I think there's enough studies, kind of like the gratitude, like, right, three things I make me like I'm grateful for. Super hard to do on my own. So in order, this is my fun little hack. I send it to my sisters and close friends. So they send it back to me. So now we're in touch with everybody, right? Everybody knows. And then now we're thinking about different things to be grateful for. And then we start our day like that. So it's different hacks. You can make this work for you. You just got to figure out who are the peers that you want to do this with. And when people are filling up their wrap, when you're filling out yours, what's the normal blend between work and home? Or is there kind of no division between those? It's just, you know, however you're experiencing life at that stage. I would say however you're experiencing, I think it is a mix. Usually when people are working late, they bring up the more of like, oh, shoot, my significant other's upset at me or I'm feeling like burnt out. I'm working on weekends, right? So you can see the pattern. And then when they're like thriving and rarely working as hard, they're super happy and you can just, it's like vibes everywhere. So anytime they're kind of in everyone, no matter how awesome you're in, in your uh, role as an entrepreneur, you're going to go through that roller coaster. So the cool thing is having the data to show you that it's just, you're on this low, you're going to go on the high. That's the best thing. It's going to swing up. You got the data. Have you ever been through a process of having to persuade someone that this is something they should do 
or do you just not engage with people who aren't persuaded? I'm really interested in whether there's, particularly thinking about our audience here, thousands of SaaS founders, they're in that kind of culture of hustling hard, working crazy hours. Many of them now are starting to learn that there needs to be some sense of balance, but many are working crazy hours, bootstrapped or raising early stage finance. And this type of rhythm might be super helpful, but often would be the last thing that they go to because it's yet another thing on the to-do list. So how do you walk people through that journey of understanding this is so vital? I think it's more about them being aware of what task that really drain them. So for example, if you had me doing bookkeeping, even if it took me, I don't know, 30 minutes, the rest of the activities, even if the next activities were in like my genius, it's still going to take me longer. I'm drained. So once you get that awareness, you're like, yeah, I should never do bookkeeping again. And so if you're thinking about how like if you're going to grow your SaaS company, what's the fastest way of going about it? To make sure that your energy, you're protecting your energy and then literally outsourcing the hiring. And the best part about this is like things are so cheap now. You can get somebody so cheap in another country to help you out or you can figure out AI to get it done faster. You just got to figure out and be aware of what's actually taking you that time. So it's kind of like if you were just being a restaurant, you wouldn't pay like a chef to, I don't know, clean dishes, would you? But entrepreneurs are doing this all day long. So energy management, this is really interesting. Let's make this real. So could you talk through a few of the things that you get loads of energy from, you're in your flow with and some of the things that really burn you? So bookkeeping might be one of them, but uh, what, are, what are those other things on either end of the spectrum that you've learned about yourself? One thing is in the mornings, I used to kind of get on calls because I like being on calls. I am an extrovert. I love talking, but I realized that I actually should be saving that during after lunchtime because it doesn't matter how tired I am, I still can get that energy going. So now I'm like, okay, in that morning, let me just focus on like the work that, you know, it takes a little bit more thinking, writing, thought leadership stuff, sales and marketing, and then everything else, the calls and everything else, I book after 12. And so I set my schedule like that. And then I also work out um, most days consistently at 12 o'clock. So I know now when that energy, most people are like that right around 12, unless you start off later in the day, your energy just goes down. You know, you might be an outlier. I used to think I was an outlier. I used to work nights and it worked out great. But no, you're not. You just you just gotta get aware. Just jaunt, play the game. Think of it as a game. Play it for two weeks. Not asking you for like six months, two weeks. And that data is going to be invaluable. I love this. And one of the things I know about our community is they love data. And I know there'll be lots of Strava athletes on here, even if they're not great runners. They love tracking the data. Oh, yeah. Strava is amazing. Totally. So this is kind of a Strava for your energy throughout the week. Is that fair? Yes. And then realizing little things about it, kind of like seeing the data and then optimizing from there. What are the, have there been some moments of real revelation for the, some of the customers you know, you've been working with, some of the people you've been working with. Well, can you talk about some of those moments of real insight to revelation that have changed how people manage their focus, their productivity? So the hardest thing for most entrepreneurs, I've seen it at that stage of like going to 1 million and about 3 million, I would say, is they still believe that they have to do everything. It gives them pride. It gives them that they're the only ones who can have it. And it's like they're the only ones who can do it. And it's just like they want to be the firefighter. They get something out of it. We all do. Everyone's been there. <laughs> the thing is, it's hard to tell somebody, no, you don't need to do that task. You're choosing to it. But why don't we try to get you to be like the bus backdrop? You got hit by a bus. Can your business 
support your family still? And most people would say no. So you want to set yourself up that you get to choose activities when you want to go about it. One of the concepts that behind that's behind the business you're building, and you referred to it in the opening, is accountability. Talk to me a bit more about the importance of accountability, who you need to have accountability with for this to be something that really builds strength into your life. Can it be anybody? Can it be your team? Does it is it helpful if it's people outside of your kind of current purview or industry? So I do have a, a checklist on how do you know you need different type of people for your accountability. And one is usually your friends and family aren't going to cut it. So there's two types of friends and family, the ones that are like they're cheering you on and they won't tell you anything negative. That's great, but you still need to get some like your blind spots and you need to get be told the BS, right? And then there's people who are like really terrified and want to protect you. So they're kind of like saying, don't do that. And no, you need to be pushed, right? <laughs> so those are two things. And then if all your ideas are getting yes, 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 that's another thing. You want somebody to push back. And then last one is you want somebody who's playing at the same level. It's like having a gym partner and all of a sudden you're like convincing them to go every single day. That's another job. You don't need that. Who that needs that? So you want somebody to like, um, you can say, hey, here are the two days. Like if you miss two days or something, you got to jump on after two days. If not, there's a consequence. It's kind of like I haven't done it, but I've heard it. The seven day hard challenge. Have you heard that one? Where it's that old one where it's like it's 75 days. And if you miss a day, you have to go start from all the way from the beginning. It's intense. I haven't done it. I'm, I'm dying to do it, but I haven't done it because of my kids because I can't come into the weekends. Accountability, you're talking about a couple of key kind of criteria of the partners you choose. Does it also matter the number of people? Is there an optimum? You've spoken about five for owners up. You know, Is that about how many of them are going to last it through? Is that about diversity of your of viewpoint? You know, why five? And is there an optimum number here? I think that if you go a little bit bigger than three is great, five is ideal. If you go too big, then what ends up happening is people can hide out. And then it becomes something that you have to manage. So if you notice that most communities, only 10% of the people are really participating. Everyone else is just lurkers. And why is that? Well, why is why are people scared of public speaking? Why is that the number one fear? Is because sometimes when you're young, something happened. And so that's why people don't want to put themselves out there. So it's a 10% that are always going to be doing that. So five allows you to have each person have their time in that spotlight to have that conversation and be held accountable. So we break it down into 11 minutes. You must have real pattern recognition from the hundreds of people that have gone through this type of program. What do you think are those? patterns? What are the patterns of revelation, the patterns of energy, burnout, the balance of where people need to draw boundaries? What are the things that you think have really helped people and, and the trends you've seen from, from learning from these hundreds of experiences? So the people who are in that hustle overachiever stage are the ones who need the accountability on their boundaries. They're the ones who are going to burn out very quickly. And they're the ones who think that they don't need accountability. And that's the hardest part. So it's kind of like you see these entrepreneurs who are working crazy, but their health is just not there. And then the first ones who realize it when health, something, a health scare happens, that changes their whole perspective. And then it's the ones who, that's the big one. And I'm really big on that one because I've seen literally 25-year-olds to 30-year-olds have heart situations or heart attacks. And I'm just like, wow, this early, you know, it's you don't need this. Another common thing I've seen is like people get stuck over analysis, procrastination, and perfectionism. And if you just had somebody right there to just kind of like bounce idea or challenge you to move forward, you could be moving so much faster. So it's that feedback loop that's so important that most people don't get. 
procrastination is, I feel, an undiscussed topic when it comes to to founders. You know, it's often discussed in other walks of life, but because of the focus of needing to go and build something, I think procrastination shows up in in other areas. And often, as you picked up and you, you mentioned earlier, it's often doing tasks you shouldn't be doing that become your procrastination tasks because you don't want to focus on the main thing. Is that fair? Is that what you've seen in your experience? And how else has procrastination showed up in those type A's? They're like keeping busy, so it's like, hey, I'm doing, I'm moving. You know, it's I'm going and but yeah, they're procrastinating. They're not doing that big thing. I would love to get your wisdom then on prioritization. So everyone listening to this call has got enough work today to fill up seven or eight days of work. They've got way too much to do. How do you think and how do you advise founders to think about prioritization? What's really important and, and what can really be left behind? So I have to say I was guilty of this before where I had different places where I would document my ideas. So it would be on my phone or it'd be like on a notepad or it'd be like everywhere. The one thing you want to do is actually put it in one place. It doesn't, I don't care what you use, but just put it in one place. And then from there, you start analyzing like, what is it that you prioritize it based on what is the outcome you want? What are the resources it would take? And what is the impact it's going to have? And then you score it. However, you can add more variables to it. I'm making it more simple. And based on that, you have a formula on what to prioritize things. So whatever that is for you, some people use the rice method. Some people use, I don't like the Eisenhower matrix because like um, a lot of people get confused with the urgent and important and then they move that up. So you got to just think about what are the the variables you want to use and you put that through like anything you have to do, you put it through that formula and prioritize it. I'm thinking of all of the um, the founders listening to this as I'm listening to it now. What are your strong pieces of advice from you know these hundreds of hours worth of listening to people from hundreds of interactions of people going through this process of accountability of you know probably for you thousands of days worth worth of doing the rap method. What should people be taking away from this? What are the things that they should build into their daily rhythms now? One is figure out a place for people where you have a feedback loop. The faster you have a feedback loop, the faster they get moving to what you want to get achieved. Next, document data. You're going to any you guys are in SaaS. Data is amazing. Utilize it for yourself so you can optimize. And then also, this is a great challenge. Go away to a developing country that doesn't have really good internet connection for two weeks. And then use a Parkinson's law or a vacation method, which is kind of like, notice how you get so much done right before your vacation. We use that method. So if you have a team, it's like, okay, now you have to trust your team that if an emergency happens, they can handle it. Or you have to figure out what are the things that are missing that you need to get done right before the vacation. That's going to be a game changer. So not only does it help you build leaders, it helps you be more effective with your time. It helps you see where some of the missing spots are, like the things that you need to like work on in your business. But it also gives you that two weeks of peace in mind. So you become more creative. You can think differently, right? You're not because every if you're thinking constantly of business, sometimes when you're walking around or in nature, it just brings other ideas. If everyone could do that just once a year, I would challenge you once a quarter, so many things will happen. Why don't you just reintroduce again us to, to owners up of why it would make sense for a bunch of people listening to this call. Talk to us about how they get involved, where they go. What we do is we have them go through a process where we audit their business so we know exactly where they are. And then from there, they have weekly uh, Zoom calls. And then we have a software where they submit their wrap and their finances and stuff. And so we're able to to see what they're improving on and uncover blind spots for them. And then we help them, you know, it's all about you want to achieve more, do it with others, just in anything in life, really, even parenting. That's why people are struggling with parenting now. Honestly, like now it's like, we, where are our parents? Where's our family? Where's that village? Now it's just like you trying to figure it out and have resources.
resources, nannies, daycare, whatever it is to make it all happen before it was a built-in village. You're making pathways back to allowing people to build their village so they can build these rhythms into their life for work, for family, for parenting. It's been great to chat it through. Is there any final thoughts you've got for, for the audience you know we've got here? Anything you want to leave behind before we uh, close this up? Challenge yourself. Start figuring out what year the data that you have. Look at the norm and then figure out how can I optimize and challenge myself even more. Keep reflecting. Thank you so much for your time today. I love hearing about the business. Love hearing how it's made a difference in your life. I've been making a couple of notes here. I'm going to try this rap thing for a while and I'll let you know how it goes. Excellent. Shout out to Tanya for being on the show. Make sure to give Protect the Hustle a five-star review and tell us what lesson from today's episode was your favorite. Thanks for listening. This is Protect the Hustle, a podcast from Paddle Studios, dedicated to helping you build better SaaS. Thank you.